Hello, and welcome to the Crazy About Packaging podcast. I'm Natalie, here with Mike and Jonathan, and we are the Cap Pack. How's everyone doing today? Great. Doing great, Natalie. How are you? I'm doing great. Today, we actually have our first guest host joining us on the Cap Podcast, Zach Moscato. Zach is the Corporate Sustainability Manager at Plastic Ingenuity, where he leads the sustainability and circularity efforts for one of the largest custom thermoformers across North America. And of course, he brings with him a wealth of knowledge, experience, and expertise from material development to innovation and commercial engagement for thermoformed packaging solutions in the food, healthcare, and consumer goods industry. Thank you so much for being here today, Zach, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Having me, I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. So <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and you and Mike and Jonathan have had the privilege of working together for quite some time, I understand. Yeah, I don't know if it's always been a privilege, but <laughs> <laughs> no. I consider it a privilege, Zach. But <laughs> I always say, yeah, Jonathan and Mike and I go way back uh, to the Spartak days when we uh, worked together there. And uh, yeah, I've always considered both Jonathan and Mike to be a mentor. So excited to stay in, in connection with them and have this conversation today. Jonathan I've always considered you to be a mentee as well. So I saw. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's super to have you, you know, on on the uh, on the show here, Zach. I mean, you know, it's, like you said, we go back many years, and you've done so much. I mean, you know, you've been involved in sustainability product development you know you've got a real uh, great uh, grasp for the commercial side of the business as well and just you know it's just such a pleasure to 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 see you and, and have you on the show yeah we're really excited to have a, have you as our guest our first guest so um thanks again for being here um today's episode we'll be discussing innovations in the food packaging industry with a focus on how the push for improved sustainability and recyclable recyclability has driven design and development efforts in recent years, um, you know, and of course talk about some of the challenges that have come with that because, you know, it's, it hasn't been an easy road um, as I'm sure you have a lot of experience with. Um, but before we jump into that, Zach, could you please provide us, you know, with some background um, regarding your experience in this area, just, you know, for the benefit of the audience listening today? Yeah, of course, I'm happy to. So yeah, I, I lead sustainability efforts at Plastic Ingenuity, as you mentioned. Uh, Plastic Ingenuity is a custom thermoformer. We work with some of the largest brands and retailers uh, really in the world. Um, I have a background in mechanical engineering. So I went to the University of Illinois, uh, got my degree there, and then kind of found my way into, into plastic and into packaging from there. Um, started with Berry Global, Berry Plastics, uh, in a product development engineering role. And that's where I really got a flavor for working with brands to develop solutions. And I was hooked. Um, so from there, I worked for Barry for about six years, went to Spartech, where I was fortunate to uh, meet these two gentlemen and many other uh, wonderful people that definitely had an influence on on my career path. And at Spartech, after we were acquired by, by a company called Poly One, kind of stayed on that uh, innovation technical role, kind of that career path, definitely learn more about materials and material science and how you can combine materials to come up with these unique structures. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I was looking for something new uh, about seven years ago and really wanted to continue down the, the path of the customer-centric roles. And uh, I came to Plastic Ingenuity, 
uh, and essentially started in a sales commercial role. Um, and then got the bug for sustainability after, um, we realized we started to see, you know, these, these goals bubbling up and, and just really intense, uh, interest from our customers in developing sustainable solutions and really like defining what it, what it means to be sustainable and what it means to, to their business and, and to ours as a converter. So I was fortunate to be uh, tapped on the shoulder by our leadership team to lead our efforts. Um, back in 2019, it kind of started as a five hours a week kind of gig. And now uh, it's full time. It's consumed. We have a team. It's crazy to think back like four short years ago, how fast things have changed and, um, you know, some of the work that we've proud to achieve, but also a lot of work ahead. So, you know, I'd really feel like everything I did at the beginning and middle portion of my career has led to this. Um, sustainability is something I've always been passionate about, but, you know, maybe didn't realize it because sustainability means so many different things to different people. So talking to to leaders and, and other stakeholders and just hearing their perspectives has really helped me kind of better understand uh, my values and my perspectives in this space. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I I think um, I mean we've we've experienced a lot of the same here at ICPG, and I know you're familiar with our parent company Impact Plastics as well, um, which is uh, has a, a great deal of focus in the healthcare packaging industry. So I'd say with both industries, there's really just been this huge groundswell of just activity in terms of and the need to develop these more improved sustainable sustainability solutions and. I think plastic ingenuity is in a, is a unique uh, position like we are in that essentially we'll make what our customers want us to make. <laughs> um, but we feel that it is our our role to help guide our customers um, and uh, you know provide them with information and be a resource when it comes to kind of how to develop these sustainable solutions. What materials, um, you know, are going to be the most most suitable for helping them achieve their goals? Um, so, you know, we we wanted to have you on today because while we can speak, you know, kind of from the formulation development, you know, of the roll stock structures themselves, we thought you would be able to provide a unique perspective. You know, just as you said, getting everybody's perspectives is, um, I think, an important part of this process. So, a perspective from kind of the um, the next step in the value chain, so to speak, like from the from the reformer side. So it's complicated, right? You know, there, there's so many nuances that you have to sort of navigate through, you know, depending on what your customer wants, especially, you know, from a thermoform perspective, from a part perspective, from a design perspective, design for recyclability, and then availability of, of different materials, et cetera. So, you know, that culmination uh, becomes really, really apparent when you're talking to these large CPGs and things like that, and they're trying to navigate it as well. You know, and so, you know, at the end of the day, we sort of, you know, start to be solution providers for sustainable, you know, attributes and, and try and help them and support them in achieving their goals. Yeah. We've definitely seen, um, we've seen an increase in awareness kind of across the board. Mm -hmm. I would say when we first started on our journey, we would talk to customers and some of them had very you know, well-defined goals mm -hmm. and they knew what they needed to do for the most part. Um, and then there were definitely others who were just getting started 
didn't have goals and there was a lot of just helping them understand, you know, what are some different resources that are out there for them to help develop those, those goals? Like what are their customers asking for? Um, and I flash forward now to almost the end of 2023 here and it, it's definitely more like more people have goals and more people have well-defined goals and they're making progress towards those goals that it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but at least there's an awareness there. And, you know, the majority of the folks that we engage with do have goals that they're actively working towards. They have resources working on, they have incentives in place to make sure that these things get done. Um, so that's, it's definitely exciting to see it in our position of the market, but at least the, the awareness is there, the goals are there. Uh, now let's get it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, being not all sunshine and rainbows, I mean, I think that's something that we we know very well. I mean, obviously, it's one thing to set these goals and say, this is what we want to achieve. It's a completely other thing to actually be able to accomplish it because, um, you know, there's so many considerations. It's not just as easy as, OK, let's switch from this material to that. I mean, um, when you consider the systems and processes and the um you know, the requirements, the performance requirements of the parts themselves, I mean, it, it becomes very complex. And there's a lot of challenges that come with that, you know, because you can't just discard all of those other requirements. Um, right. So you have to, it's really quite a difficult balancing act. So that being said, I mean, is there, are there any particular challenges that, you know, stick out in your mind, um, you know, from, from your, from where you sit today um, that you think of, Maybe you've worked very hard to overcome or haven't quite overcome yet. <laughs> we could probably do three podcasts. <laughs> uh, I, I would say, first and foremost, a package has a job to do. And that job is to protect the product while also providing whatever, the you know, conveying the brand image that, that is, is needed. So if a package does not do its job, no matter what material it's made of, no matter how well it's designed from a sustainability standpoint, guess what? It's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we have to meet all of those performance requirements, which is easier said than done. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a, a reason why a lot of these, um, you know, say quote unquote unsustainable materials are in the marketplace. It's because they are exceptional at what they do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not going to name names, but we think about a lot of the multi-layer materials that are out there and what they do for preservation or, you know, some of these other performance requirements. Yeah. It's really amazing. So just to say, hey, yeah, we're going to just totally get out of multi-layer materials. Um, it's it's a process, not, mm -hmm. not that it's done, but it's a process. And you have to, as a brand, you have to work with those resources that really know the nuances, know the ins and outs of, of what's at stake and can help you navigate those challenges and navigate some of those trade-offs that you're going to encounter. Uh, it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's there. So assuming there's a solution, assuming that, um, you know, there are minimal performance trade-offs because there are always trade-offs. Like there's no there's no magic right. bullet, no magic wand you can wave. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the brands we work with, the retailers we work with, they're they're very cost sensitive, especially in this in this age. This you know the inflationary pressures that are out there. Um, so you know, like it or not, as a sustainability person, cost is always a factor, and uh, so we have to get creative and find ways where we can, um, you know, maybe to reduce cost with a certain attribute. So in our world, in the thermoformer, it's 
hey, can we downgauge this? Can we lightweight it? So that has a sustainability benefit, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so yeah, and and then I would say one of the kind of structural challenges we face is, you know, these brands are very savvy. They're they're very uh, broad, and um, sometimes we'll come across where we have different stakeholders in the brand that may have competing incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps you're working with the, a purchasing group and they have a certain incentive to keep their material costs down. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have your operational stakeholders who want to make sure everything's efficient and runs well. You have your packaging engineers and you have your sustainability team. And you know their incentives may not always be aligned, especially when it comes to sustainability. So you know, as a converter, that can be something that's difficult to navigate to kind of help be that common thread. Um, in a way that's, um, you know, constructive and proactive, I would say. So that's certainly something we, we see and, um, you know, and, and I think also, you know, we need more incentives in the market to, to move to, to make this transition to more sustainable packaging, whatever that means to the brands. Um, so, you know, is that, is that, you know, extended producer responsibility legislation is that, is it? else um i think we need some more incentives for these solutions to really thrive right yeah that's such a good point um because that was kind of like one of the next things that we wanted to bring up is in your experience what do you feel has been you know kind of just talking about what has been the biggest you know push towards adoption of these solutions so i think it's kind of like you know, things are evolving so rapidly. We talk right. about consumer pressure a lot. You know, consumer pressure plays a big role in these companies making these commitments and, you know, wanting to do better, you know, for the communities that, um, you know, they're selling their products into. But then more recently, there's some of this more, some of this increased legislation and taxation policies and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I guess from that perspective, what do, what do you really think? see as being kind of like the biggest um, driving force right now towards, um, I guess, kind of creating that urgency to commercialize some of these solutions? Yeah. You know, there are several of them. And I would say the weight of each one kind of varies, um, you know, from time to time. So through the large investment uh, parties that have placed additional emphasis on uh, ESG performance, just to make sure that the their investments are going to thrive in the long term in a more sustainable environment. So that's one. And then definitely the impact of the consumer, especially on, um, you know, consumer facing brands. Um, you know, we, we hear all the time, I think there's a really healthy debate. Of, okay. Who's going to pay for sustainability? Is the consumer going to pay for it? Is it the brands? Is it someone else? I think it's a really healthy debate to have. Um, I think the data to me shows that there are certain, pockets of consumers that are willing to pay more for these types of solutions. There are certain pockets that are not. So not every brand is going to have the answer. So if if your brand is more, uh, I guess, uh, suited to those demographics that are willing to perhaps pay more for a sustainable solution. So think of like the the Gen Z's, the, Mm. you know, the that type of segment, um, I think has shown that, yes, that, that is a factor yet. They're just getting started in their careers. They're just, you know, right. 
there's a lot there's student loans like there's a lot of financial pressure that that they're under mm-hmm. uh, so i think that's going to be interesting to see how the democratic demo the demographic shift plays out there mm-hmm. i don't think it's fair to say across the board that consumers aren't willing to pay more I don't think that's the case, but I also don't think it's the case that it's like something we could ignore. That cost just isn't some factor. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I can remember that, you know, Mike and I, we, we were at a meeting out several years ago and we're sitting there, you know, and we're, you know, we're providing this solution. It happened to be a PET sort of barrier solution or something along those lines. And, you know, and the director of purchasing looked at us and literally for the first time in my career said, well, you know, we would actually be willing to pay a little bit more for that. And I just was blown away. I'm like, did you hear that? They would, but to Zach's point with the consumer. Well, that's, you know, right. that's a that's a big challenge too. And I think education plays a lot, a huge part in this as, it, as you mentioned, Natalie, you know, it's evolving and it's evolving quickly. And, you know, once we start to get the infrastructure in place, we start to get the systems in place, you know, and then you get consistency because it's so over the board, all over the place, I feel at the moment with what should I recycle, what shouldn't I? I mean, to me, it feels great to be able to recycle and we're lucky in our community we have, you know, we have a, a great uh, recycling uh, operation. But in general, across the country, how do you how do you tap into that? How do you make sure... You know, you've got everything that they need and there's consistency there and what they're collecting so that then those guys, you know, the recyclers can, you know, we can, they can extract the value. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes me think of something I saw recently. I mean, just, we talk about consumer perception and how that kind of just trickles down, you know, the whole value chain. Um, I've been seeing a lot recently on social media, and we all know what a big influence social media is in this day and age, and particularly when you're talking about, like, you know, the kind of the next generation of of your consumer, yeah. how important it is um, to to understand what the perception is. I've seen, um, you know, some stuff on social media lately talking about how just recycling is a complete waste of time, and, and it kind of just makes you want to throw your hands up and be like, well, without recycling and collection and what i mean there's no circular economy so what are we doing um it's just kind of it, it's good to have a beat on the on the on on the pulse of what people are thinking but it's also i you know at a certain level it just becomes a little frustrating i think especially when you're so close to it and you you're like but we're trying so hard <laughs> it's definitely a subject that i'm really passionate about um i one of the most frustrating one of the most frustrating things I hear in our industry is we just need people to recycle more. And to me, that's counterproductive because we're basically taking this opportunity and letting it go and basically passing the buck off to someone else where mm-hmm. we need to take ownership of this. The packaging industry needs to take ownership and build trust in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I feel strongly that if we tell these success stories, we build trust in the system, and we genuinely develop packaging that can be recycled in practice, mm-hmm. um, we share those stories with the consumer, I'm not saying this is easy, then they're more apt to take the effort to participate in recycling where it's available. So another problem with that we just need people to recycle more is Jonathan, to your point, only 60% of Americans have access to recycling, which is crazy when you think about it. So 40% of people don't have access to curbside recycling programs. Uh, we we got to do better there. 
So we have to build, in my opinion, as an industry, we have to build trust in the system to say, hey, this water bottle that you're drinking, if you put that in your bin, there's a very high likelihood that that's going to get turned into another bottle, a thermoform package. Maybe it's your shirt that you're going to wear, your socks. Something's going to come of that. It's going to stay in circulation. Um, but then really, you know, we can do our part as converters by designing packaging to be recycled in practice. It's not good enough to say, oh, it's recycle ready. No, this truly meets, um, you know, like the APR design guide. Like, it's, you know, that's kind of what we follow. That's that's our North Star. Yep. And then, you know, to go one step further, how do you expand your influence beyond your organization, working, working with suppliers, working with, Mm-hmm. Other people, supply chain, um, industry groups to expand recycling. Um, really not just saying, hey, you know, it's all up to the consumer. Um, nope. You're a part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that idea of building building trust, um, you know, because in the example that, that I gave, I mean, clearly trust is not there. You know, if people think that they're recycling and it's just not doing anything. Um, clearly the trust is not there. The, the understanding is not there of, of, um, you know, what kind of goes on behind the scenes or what we're trying to do behind the scenes, I guess. So, um, you know, considering that, I mean, in your role, what kind of changes and innovations have you have you seen recently, um, you know, that kind of stick out in your mind for, I guess, redesign, redevelopment, you know, innovation in the name of sustainability? What have you? <laughs> you know, there's so many. Um, there's just that's one thing that I think you have to be an optimist in a sustainability role because <laughs> you do not to get bogged down in, in the challenges. But, um, you know, I feel like, you know, like a lot of type of work that you're doing uh, with taking these, you know, typically these structures that are hard to recycle, but they, they're really important. Like they're functional, they're highly functional. So how do you, how do you get that function without a significant trade-off? And you know, have a recyclable solution that you know can be circular. So, kudos to you and and other material suppliers, kind of in the supply chain, that are working on those solutions of uh, you know developing truly recyclable and practice materials that we as a converter can take and make a package into. So that's one. You know, up and down the supply chain, there's a lot of really exciting things happening. I think with labels and as a thermoformer, that's that's a pretty big deal because. Labels can be, uh, you know, certainly a challenge in the reclamation process. So having labels that perform because labels do have a job to do as well. They're not just there for decoration uh, that perform, but then will also do what they need to do in a recycling um, scenario. So a lot of really exciting work there. Um, Then when I think of recycling, gosh, I don't know where to start. with mechanical recycling, there's so many cool things happening with automation, robotics, um, you know, using AI and machine learning uh, in the sortation process to get more granular there. Um, you know, I think of like tracer technology that can be included with um, either labels or with packaging so it's easier to identify in those automated systems. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get into advanced recycling for some of these applications that aren't uh, easily recycled or may not have a path to recycling mechanically. Um, so all the cool work that's being done by, say, PureCycle and the polypropylene mm-hmm. world, right. definitely Eastman, um, just to name a few, and you know Nexus Circular, 
from a pyrolysis standpoint. Really, really cool things happening there. Um, but yeah, what, what about you guys? What do you see as what's what's exciting in your world from an innovation standpoint? One of our our, our big uh, projects right now that we've been working on for the last four years is was the, is our XDP platform. And, you know, what we were based up against, Zach, was, you know, we had the challenge of, of replacing polystyrene. And to your earlier point, it's like, great, okay, well, how do you do that? Well, you know, we were working on that together, uh, you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago, if you remember, uh, you right. know, the, the MOPS program, all, all those kind of those things. And now it's real, you know, and, and, you know, with that development, you know, what we're also seeing at the same time is just huge pressure on the brand owners. They've got to get out of styrene somehow, you know, because of the Marish, the Prop 65 issue and things like that. And it's being banned in a number of countries as we look globally. So, you know, so we recognize that. And what we want to do is maximize the potential to provide, you know, that circular economy to you know, provide the vehicles that they need uh, to be able to replace polystyrene. And that's not an easy feat, you know. From your, your also, you, you know, you pointed out with regards to cost. Well, you know, the investment to convert a full seal line, you know, to run other materials, uh, you know, is bad. You know, it's huge capex versus what we've been trying to do is minimize that so that it makes it more conducive for the brand owner to really be able to say, okay, you know, we've got a material here that could actually be, you know, a replacement for polystyrene, and so. With that, we sort of started our foundation of XPP, and then we expanded that. First of all, we sort of went the EVOH level, and and because we actually get barrier properties out of XPP, and then you know we sort of went back to our little Goldilocks in the in the middle, you know, which was our Reba product. And so by offering those different those variations, but in the same base material, you know, that's one of you know been one of uh, our real success stories. Uh, that we just continue to build off of. Mike? Well, for me, it's this uh, industry-wide, or at least something we've embraced, this return to practicality. You know, it's that you mentioned um, magic bullets, and I think we all suffer from magic bullet syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's got the one um, solution. Well, it, it's not really practical to think about things in terms of one solution. But I, I love this concept that we've touched on today about building. And for us, for me, it's about building awareness, building messaging, building networks, building uh, at one of the things you, you did touch on, which is building infrastructure for recycling. I think, it, I think it's the one area that societally we should really focus on um, is expanding dropping that number from 40% not having recycling to 4%. I mean, I think that would be a incredible use of, of public funds, personally. So building all the things that we need to do. And, and again, as you said, Zach, taking personal or professional responsibility for your role and how to make things better. We can't make things perfect, but we can definitely make them better. Progress over perfection. Uh, sustainability definitely is a team sport. So, and yeah. so eloquently, it's not just one solution. No, there's no one solution. It's going to be a combination of solution that, that gets us there. So, yeah. Uh, very well put, Mike. 
I like that. I like that. Uh, what you just said, though, that sustainability is a team sport, because, you know, as I was listening and thinking about, you know, what's a what's a really big change that I've seen, not necessarily just from like what materials are being used or um, things like that. But I think the willingness for people to collaborate across, you know, the entire value chain, I've really seen um, an increase in that, you know, um, rather than just competition, 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 people are now saying, how can we work together to really achieve this broader goal, you know, that, that everybody yeah. has an invest, you know, everybody in the industry is working towards. So I think for me, that's kind of the biggest change that I've seen in the last like year or so is just the openness to collaboration, um, you know, like in the name of scaling these, these circular solutions. You know, 10 years ago, we, we always debated what is sustainability. I haven't had that conversation with anybody in a long, long time. That's good. I think, I think we know that when we see it and we all have different versions of it, so what? Um, just yeah. working on your version of it and uh, move the ball forward. Exactly. Focus on your organization's definition of sustainability, whatever goals are in place. And uh, another thing that's encouraging to me is just to see a lot of alignment between these goals, like the brand owner goals are aligning under, say, I don't know, Ellen MacArthur or influential retailers. And for a converter and material, you know, innovator, like that makes our lives easier because instead of developing a thousand different solutions, we can kind of focus on one big swath that covers a variety of brand owners that we can kind of tailor for everyone's needs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a positive. And then to your point about collaboration, Natalie, mm -hmm. and to take it for granted almost now, and you mentioned it, but, you know, I'll be on a, uh, in a meeting, you know, maybe it's like, you know, some of the many tremendous organizations out there, like the Recycling Partnership or the Healthcare Pl Plastics Recycling Council, just to name a few, but mm -hmm. you know, we're at the table, same table with our competitors, with mm -hmm. Our customers, their customers, like everyone in the, in the supply chain, but you know there are no names on the backs of the jersey. We're just all at this table, working towards this common goal um, in a pre-competitive manner. Um, you know, it's something that like it's happened. It's become almost so routine now that I take it for granted, which is probably yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and so we're all attending the um, Sustainable Packaging Coalition conference in September. Or I guess by the time this has come out, we will have attended. Oh, um, and so, yeah, this will come out in October. Um, but I mean, even just to think about the range of people who we'll see there, like you said, we'll see, you know, we'll be shoulder to shoulder with people who are considered competitors. But I mean, uh, kind of in our in our uh, uh, company, we've always looked at that as, you know, an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Why can't we work together? I mean, we, we, had, we yeah. have one way of doing it. If you're interested in learning it and taking it and, you know, and applying it to what you're doing, like, let's work together. Let's find a way to make it work um, because ultimately yeah. we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. So right. there are plenty of common barriers that we have that if we can work together to create a solution for the industry, it'll benefit everybody. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do um, it. So taking it back to, I guess, kind of like more along the lines of design and things like that. You mentioned that you guys um, rely heavily on the uh, Association of Plastic Recycling, the APR design guide. So considering that, I mean, is there kind of a, 
material or materials that you um, tend to focus on when you're kind of um, approaching these development efforts? Yeah, you know, definitely. So I, you know, I want to back up to a little bit. So we recently this year have gone through uh, a certification to the ISO 14001 standard. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's our environmental management system. And I got to say, it's a heavy lift, but it's it's been tremendous. It's been one of the best things for us because it has uh, given us a roadmap to take these principles and these values that you know we've been working towards and embedded in every literally everything that we do. So in our design and development process, like literally every design that we create goes through a sustainability review. Uh, that includes a recyclability review, but it's also the entire life cycle. So every design we put out in the world has gone through a sustainability review. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, when it comes to recyclability, um, the APR design guide is a packaging plastic provider. That that's our north star. There's nothing you know like it in the in the that's out there in the in the public domain. It is just you know the the best guide for these types of things. Uh, so we will follow that, and you know when it when it comes to the design guide, obviously we want to stick with material solutions, and that's just one piece of the equation. But material solutions that do have robust uh, recycling end markets in place, um, so that's the you know typically has been the PETs, and now it's the polypropylenes that are coming along. High density polyethylene, obviously, although as a thermoformer, we don't work as much with high density polyethylene as the other polymers. Mm -hmm. Um, often it does mean looking at materials like polystyrene, PVC and PETG and saying, Hey, you know, can we, is there an alternative there that we can still get the function that we need for this package again, because if it does the function, it's not sustainable mm -hmm. without significant trade-offs. Um, and how do we, how do we get to a pathway to put it in a material that does have a recycling end market? Spot on Zach. I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that's. You know, to me, if we can all sort of, you know, follow that similar mantra, you know, you know, outside of the fact that we're all sort of working on different initiatives, et cetera, you know, that's where we've got to go. You know, I, I you know, you look at other countries, um, Japan, Belgium and things like that, you know, they have a very high recycling rate, you know, because of commitments, because of, you know, the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the structures and the systems that they have in place and, you know, all collaborating working towards those solutions we're getting there i mean you know you you roll the clock back even four or five years you know where we are today is just light years ahead of where we were and i you know i'm i am the eternal optimist i mean i, I truly feel like we are going to get this uh and make it happen because there's so much energy that's being put forth by apr by you know trade groups by you know all of these guys uh, to make it happen as well as, you know, the, the raw material manufacturers, transportation, you know, converters, all of that plays into, you know, into the solution. So, I mean, I guess I'd also love to give you kind of an opportunity to maybe mention some recent success stories that you guys have had. Uh, is there anything that stands out in your mind where you guys have been able to really help somebody achieve some of their goals, transition materials, you know, something that sticks out to you? We're... We're really proud. We just won an Ameristar Design Award. Uh, Congrats. You saw that today. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Otterbox, a value brand partner of ours. And 
we were able to do that by um, really combining, you know, this is, is such a plastic ingenuity thing, combining our design expertise uh, with all these other solutions that we bring to the table. So basically, kind of a, a complicated um, assembly to describe, but basically it's for a screen protector um, used for smartphones. And our thermoform device is actually used to contain and center the screen protector as it's placed on the phone. And the way that it's embedded with other packaging components in a responsible manner is, is kind of the story there. Um, so yeah, check out the story online, Plastic Ingenuity, Ameristar, Otterbox. Um, we were able to use PET material for the structure. Not only that, but it's 100% PCR um, PET material. And um, we were able to also eliminate components and make the design uh, as compact and as efficient as possible. So really from a sustainability standpoint, it checks all those boxes, um, you know, from a, a brand perspective and the goals that they're working towards. Um, and then I guess, uh, you know, we're kind of closing out the episode, um, coming towards our time to wrap up. From your perspective, I mean, what is your vision of a sustainable future? If you think about all the work that you've done and where we are today, and if you look, you know, ahead five, 10 years, what do you hope will be have been accomplished? It's a fantastic question. <laughs> You know, I we talk, we've talked a lot about recycling here. Recycling's obviously really, really, really important. And I think there's going to be just a natural, not natural, but progression based off all the effort that's happening there. Mm -hmm. um, we, haven't, we haven't talked a lot about um, carbon and, and climate change and, and that major impact that we're all facing. It's definitely something we see across the board with... Uh, all of the markets we support, but it's particularly important with our healthcare customers. So the medical device manufacturers and the pharmaceutical companies are just hyper-focused on um, carbon emissions and water usage and being responsible with environmental impacts. So I flash forward you know, to 2030, I, I think like a carbon footprint is going to be included maybe on a quote um, if you're a consumer you know, we're already seeing some of this. The carbon footprint of that product is going to be on the label, just like your calories. So here's your price, here's your calories, here's your carbon footprint. Um, I think just more transparency to the inherent carbon that's uh, that's that's in a product and in a package. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot more focus on goals related to removing carbon from supply chains. Um, we're definitely seeing that from a lot of our, our European customers just because the legislation over there is a lot more progressive. Um, so carbon, carbon, carbon kind of has been uh, a topic this year. And hey, you know, it, it these solutions that we talk about, recycling, using recycled content, um, down gauging, they all have a positive impact when it comes to carbon. So if carbon's kind of your, your metric, your go-to, mm -hmm. typically you're going to be moving in the right direction. You know, mm. maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's taking a package and and having a cube out butter in a truck. So you're reducing your transportation. That's a huge impact in carbon. Using less material, huge impact on carbon. So we've certainly seen a lot more of that. We're putting uh, focus and resources in place to get to get a lot smarter when it comes to how we manage our carbon. Ooh, I love that idea. That's a great idea because something that we've talked about a lot is um, 
you know, being able to communicate the value that some of these changes are making, you know, you kind of like, you want, at some level, you want to be able to pat yourself on the back a little bit and say like, look, Carbon. this is what we did. We're helping, you know, because I think for, from our perspective, I guess I'll, I'll answer my own question. If I look, if I look forward, you know, five to 10 years, I just want to feel like we're doing our part. Um, you know, so we developed our solutions. We found our way, our area where we can, you know, kind of help drive some of these initiatives forward because we can't, we can't solve all the problems and there's always going to be more challenges to face. But I'd like to, um, you know, look back and feel like some of these things that we've been talking about today, you know, that we've been able to do our part in helping, you know, the industry get there. And, and I think um, being able to communicate some of the value that plastic packaging plays in, you know, getting these products to people and then, you know, further down the line, ways that we're working towards improving sustainability and, you know, helping tackle some of these challenges that we're facing, you know, um, and reducing carbon footprint and things like that. That's, I think, um, that's important because especially I think plastic kind of sometimes unfairly gets a little bit, um, well, definitely knocked down a peg. So, <laughs> oh, we have work to do. Uh, I definitely have work to do. And, um, you know, it's certainly like, like you mentioned, Natalie is just taking, taking care of your own house. If everyone takes care of their own house and what they control, um, we're going to make progress. So right. Acting responsibly. <laughs> well, any closing remarks from uh, some of my other cap cap pack members? <laughs> I, I mean, I, this has been a great, great, uh, discussion and, you know, just really appreciate you coming on the show. So I can, yeah, you know, looking forward to seeing you at uh, Vegas, buy your beer. Um, yeah. and then we'll see you in Boston, <laughs> buy you another beer. Yeah. We'll send you your mug. <laughs> send you your mug, but now really, you know, love your insight. You know, what you guys are doing at Plastics Ingenuity is just, is, is terrific stuff. We have a very high level of respect uh, for you and your company and, and, you know, okay. so, certainly thank you very much for coming on, on the show. Would you like to tell the audience where they could find you on social media or... Um... Yeah, you know, personally, Zach Moscato at LinkedIn, follow Plastic Ingenuity. We're putting all kinds of really cool stuff out there. I think LinkedIn is probably our our primary media channel for these really? things. PlasticIngenuity.com is our website. Factus was there. Uh, or re reach out anytime through LinkedIn, send me a message, and uh, would love to talk. Sounds great. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Um, and yeah, so that's our episode. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in to listen. Next month, we are going to be digging into part two of our XVP with Reba solutions, discussing kind of um, some of the more nuanced uh, information behind that product. Um, in the meantime, for more information about us, you can visit our website at www.icpg.co. And if you'd like to take part in the conversation, follow us on social media at ICPG on LinkedIn, ICPG Co. on Instagram and Twitter, or email us at ICPG at impactgroup.co. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, you can listen to our podcast on our website and on all major podcast channels. We hope you enjoyed getting a little crazy about packaging with us, and we'll talk to you next month. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.